You guys are always asking me, Liz, what the heck do you do on your long runs? And Kate has recently converted me to Audible. With Audible, I'm able to combine my two favorite pastimes, running and learning. If that isn't the most Alyssa thing, I don't know what is. I know, right? So Audible has helped carry me many, many miles with audiobooks and podcasts. And the best thing about it is I'm able to download them directly to my phone and listen to them while I'm offline, running through the woods in the middle of nowhere with no cell service. And since I have a reading list approximately as high as I am tall, there's no other way I'd be able to consume so much with how busy I am. That's exactly why I love Audible. I've been a member for years now because I honestly cannot read enough books if I have to sit down to read them all. Audible has been a godsend because I can listen to audiobooks while I'm cooking, working out, or walking my pup Rocky, but my favorite way to use Audible is as I'm going to sleep, and you guys, I recently found out that Audible has bedtime stories narrated by none other than Nick Jonas and Tony Shalhoub, who you may know as the character Monk. Their voices are like so perfectly sultry and like they really guide you off to sleep. It's incredible. So every month, members get one credit to pick any title, no matter the cost, plus two Audible originals from a monthly selection, and access to daily news digest and guided meditation programs, dare I say, by no other than the Pete Diddy himself. If that doesn't scream littlest meditation, I don't know what does. The Audible app is available on all smartphones and tablets, and you can download titles to listen offline anywhere and anytime. You can start listening today with a 30-day trial. You get one title plus two Audible originals for free when you visit audibletrial.com slash messymiddle. That's audibletrial.com slash M-E-S-S-Y-M-I-D-D-L-E. Are you confused about what supplements you should actually be taking? In a world full of juice cleanses, detox teas, fancy promises, it can really be hard to trust anything. But high-quality supplements, when dosed appropriately, can actually help support your fitness goals. And that's why I use Legion. I've been using Legion supplements since the beginning of this year, and after years of never really fully committing to one single brand due to lack of transparency in their labeling, unnecessary fluff, or just reporting things as blends and not knowing what's actually my product, I finally found a solid science-based product line that fits my supplementing needs. Legion's products are 100% naturally sweetened, and my favorite part, they are fully transparent in their labeling, and they use dosages that are actually backed with what the science says you need to be effective and support your fitness goals. And not the least amount you can get away with, and not just labeling as blends, but fully transparently telling you what's in your product and why they dosed it that way. And this is huge, because it lets you know exactly what you're taking and if it's actually going to be effective, and then you can know what's going into your body. My personal favorites are their cinnamon cereal whey. Yes, it tastes as good as it sounds. The mocha cappuccino plant protein. Pulse, their pre-workout, which comes in non-stimulant or caffeinated stimulant based. And Recharge, the recovery blend, which also gives me the creatine I need to move weights well in the gym. Legion offers 100% money back guaranteed if you're not happy with their products. And you can save 20% off your first order today with our code MESSYMIDDLE at checkout. That's M-E-S-S-Y. M-I-D-D-L-E at checkout to save 20% today. This is Alyssa Lenick of Littlest Fitness. And I'm Kate, otherwise known as Coach Carmichael. We are PhD students, endurance athletes who lift, outdoors enthusiasts, and entrepreneurs. We believe the narrative of the fitness and wellness industry is often far too extreme. So forget about the black and white messages that you've heard. On this podcast, we believe that life is best lived in the messy middle. So, you want to run an ultra marathon or maybe a trail race, right? 
So, hey guys, it's me, Liz, here to rant at you again today. And if you've been following along on Instagram um, recently, or maybe you're listening to this podcast in the future and you're like, what the heck is she talking about? I just finished my first 100K ultra marathon this weekend. And so that was one of my first really, really hard, big, long ultra marathons. And for those of you who are maybe new here, I've ran now seven ultra marathons and I've done a bunch of 50K distances, one of the hardest 50Ks in the northern. US, a 50 miler, and now this 100K. So I've gained a little bit of experience over the years, and I definitely have gained a lot of traction and questions from people on what the heck are ultra marathons and how do you even get started in them. So let's first start by defining what the heck an ultra marathon is. So an ultra marathon is any distance that is greater than a marathon. So it's any race that is greater than 26.2 miles. So yes, technically 26.3 is an ultra marathon. I actually ran a 27 mile race. Um, but it's generally going to start at the 50K distance. 50Ks are very traditionally where ultra marathons start at, and then they go to 50 miles, 100K, 100 milers, and everything else in between, all the way up to races that are bigger than 200 miles in distance. There's stage races, there's looped races, there's time trial races, there's all these different ways in which you can be a part of the ultra marathon and or trail running community. And then I think it's also important to highlight that you don't have to run an ultra marathon distance to be a trail runner. So while we say that these start at the 50K distance, there's also tons of races that occur below that as well. If anything, I actually suggest you starting with these smaller distance races. If you have very little running experience, that will help you adapt and gradually build up your fitness level um, while training for slow increments in distance races. But even if you're someone who has a lot of road running experiences, but you don't have a lot of trail experience, this will help you gain experience, trail feet, and comfort and confidence on the trails as well. And so how do you even find these things, Right. So I want you guys to, if you're listening to this by a computer on your phone or just make note of it later, go to www.ultrasignup.com. This is the website that gets me into a lot of trouble. I try to stay off of it because I'll get too excited and I'll sign up for something. But you're going to go to ultrasignup.com and you're just going to search and you're literally just going to search your area. So you can type in your zip code, city, and how many miles around you you're willing to travel to look for a race. And you can look at what's around you and you'd be shocked to find that there's actually races all over the country. And so it's traditional for races and ultras to be on trail, but they're on road, they're on gravel, they're on fire road, they're on mixes of different things, they're on the beach, they're everywhere in any way that possible that you can think about. So I guarantee even if you live in the flattest of flat areas, you're going to be able to find races for you. And what's nice is that you guys can rank there on Ultra Sign Up if the difficulty rating, which is basically based off of mean finishing times of the races, and you can also look at distance and also months, date, time of year. You can kind of organize and curate your results to help you find a race that is fitting for what you're doing, or you can just scroll through them and see what excites you. And so I get asked a lot, well, how do I pick a race, Alyssa? And so a lot of this is going to depend on the timeline you have to train for it. People are always get really overzealous and they want to rush their training. I encourage you giving yourself a plenty, cushy, nice amount of time to prep for a race. If you're doing something bigger and or you lack experience, I'm going to say a minimum of six months if you have some sort of baseline fitness status level and all the way up to honestly a year, if not more, if you are not very fit when it comes to running maybe specifically and or just don't have a lot of experience or competence in general. So give yourself grace, give yourself a nice cushy timeline to give you guys context. I started trail running the summer of uh, 2016 and I didn't run my first ultra until April of 2018. So I really gave myself about a year and a half to get it 
like confidence on trail running. I did a trail half marathon first in the spring of 2017, a 25k the fall of 2017, and then my first ultra that next spring of 2018. So I guess gave myself a ton of time and I was fit and training experience, but it allowed me to gain confidence on trail, get experience with not only my nutrition, my gear, my pacing, my gain trail feet and gain confidence out there, which is huge. So don't think that you are bad or broken. If you can't just rush into your first ultra in six months, give yourself plenty of time to train, adapt. And the biggest thing is enjoy it. And so when you are picking a race, my biggest things is what is a distance or course that excites me, but also scares me a little bit. And I know that seems like really crazy and non-descriptive and you're like, Alyssa, that doesn't even tell me how I'm supposed to pick this race, but hear me out. You want something that you feel like you can actually accomplish. That is realistic, right? You want to believe that you can actually do it because then you'll actually do it. And so if you've never, ever, ever ran more than a 10 K before, a trail half marathon is a really realistic distance for you, but it's maybe a little scary or exciting. Or maybe you've ran a couple road half marathons, but never trail. And that seems a little harder and scarier. So maybe that seems exciting to you, but scary enough to get you off the couch in training. This is the big thing. So there's an article I will link in the show notes by Semi-Rad called um, The Importance of Setting Scary Big Scary Goals. And it essentially goes on to talk about that if you set these goals that are exciting, but also a little bit scary, you're going to be, you're going to get off the couch, you're going to go train and you're going to train hard. And the beauty of this is when you tie it back into my other message, you're not really focused on a lot of the other stuff. All you're focused on is training as hard and as smart as you can, because then you want to give yourself the best chance of showing up to that race that day and having the best performance and being the least uncomfortable that you can be during that event. So pick something that excites you. Does that race seem like it would be fun for you? Does it seem like it would actually make you want to get up and train every single Saturday? But does it also scare you enough that you know that if you don't train, it's going to be a one heck of a hard day? And so find that happy balance between exciting you and fun that you can enjoy your training, but just scary enough and that exciting kind of scary that makes you want to do the hard work. So find that happy balance. So if you've never ran before in your life, maybe signing up for a hundred mile or right off the bat might be so unrealistic. It might scare you so much that you just don't do anything. No, but maybe signing up for that first 5k will be exciting and a huge goal and accomplishment for you, but you can actually feel good and confident about your training with it. So it's finding that perfect balance between the two. So building off that, the next thing is to ask yourself, what is your fitness status and experience level? Because that's going to be huge on maybe what you do. So for me, I've now ran seven ultra marathons. What's going to scare and excite me might be a wide variety of different goals, but I kind of know what I'm capable more of and what I'm also is unfamiliar territory for you. That might be completely foreign. So maybe you've never raced a trail race before, but you ran on trails, you've done a ton of hiking. You feel pretty confident out there. That might change your perception of what you can do versus someone who has no trail or outdoor experience. It seems super crazy. You almost don't even know what you would do when you get onto a trail. And so giving yourself that comfort and grace with your own personal experience level. And these races, they have websites, they have course descriptions, they have course maps that you can look up the average finishing times from people from the year before. And you can look at people and kind of see where your fitness status is compared to them and get an idea of what's going to be realistic for you or what that day might look like for you out there. And so to sum that up, go to ultra sign up, look in your area, 
go ahead and pick the settings of what you're looking for specifically in a race or just browse through them all. And then kind of ask yourself, where is my fitness status? Where is my experience level? And what scares me, but also excites me to train for? And that's how I personally pick my races. I pick a challenge. I like to challenge myself because it also encourages me and makes me excited to train. And it doesn't feel so unrealistic that I'm biting off more than I can chew. But it also, I don't know what's going to happen out there. I don't know if I truly can do it, but I'm I believe and trust in my body that we can figure that out. And so that's truly how I pick my races. But when I picked my first trail half marathon, I picked a pretty flat um, local small half marathon in Louisville, Kentucky, when I was living in Kentucky at the time. So it was trail and it was you know, there were some climbs and rocks and roots, but it wasn't anything gnarly or crazy. It was a very, very runnable course. And then for my 25K, again, it was a lot more rocky, but it was a little more flat, some climbs, but it was a very reasonable, runnable course that matched my experience level and outdoors at the time. And then for my 50K, I picked a race that was right outside Atlanta and more of a general non-mountainous terrain park. There was some fire or some power line climbs and some hills, but it's a lot more flat, a lot more runnable. And it was realistic for me. So there was, you know, it was trail, there was rocks, there was roots, there was climbs. So the vert wasn't so much that it seemed demoralizing and I could actually run while training for it. And so that's how I picked those first few. And then for from there on out, I did my second 50K um, in North Carolina that had a little bit more mountainous in the middle, but it was a little more runnable. And it was there, there my fourth race, my second ultra where I was like, hmm, that more climbing, harder mountain section, that was fun for me. And so I decided that I wanted more of that. So once I did that second one, then I decided to train for Quest for the Crest, which is what they call the hardest 50K in North America, which had tons of vert, huge mountain climbing race, 35 miles with so much vert that it took me 13 hours. But I knew at that point in time, I had experience, I had known what I enjoyed, and I knew what was a challenge for me and what was realistic that I then could pick that race off that. But I didn't go out right off the bat and pick the hardest race I can find. I went and I just built myself a general comfortable progression through gaining experience that allowed me to get to these bigger races that I am now doing. But it's totally okay if you have to start small, start flat, start local, start with what feels comfortable. That is 100% okay. And that's what you should do. Gain your experience, learn your trail feet, learn yourself on trail, figure out how to navigate trails, all the stuff you want to have confidence out there because it's going to be completely different to you, especially if you don't have a ton of experience in trails or outdoor before this. And so then figure out the timeline, figure out if you'd have enough time to plan your race training protocol, prep for it, be there in time and taper and sign up for the race. I'm telling you right now, I'm giving you the encouragement right now today to hit sign up, sign up for the race and figure out your race training plan and train like hell. So I want to remind you guys too, as well, when you're signing up for these things, if you live in a super flat area and you're super scared that you won't be able to do anything. You won't be able to get on trail. You won't know what to do. My advice for you is to figure out if you can train specifically for the course you're signing up for, or ask yourself if you're willing to do what you need to do. That might be a little less convenient to make that happen where you're at. So if you live in a super flat land and you decide you want to do a mountainous course, you're going to have to have to add in hill repeats or the stair climber or a lot of strengthening exercises to prepare you for that. Or you can just train on something more specific to what you're going to do locally and try to get on that trail or trail that's similar to that as much as you can throughout the course of your training. But a flatter trail race, you can train for a ton on road and be more than okay. And so I also want to remind you on that note that hiking in these races is fine. You might walk a little bit, you will power hike a ton, 
and you might not be running all out the entire time. So once you start training, don't be discouraged. If you are slower, you're walking a little bit more, you're not as fast and it feels harder because that is normal. And that's why I tell you to build up your experience in it gradually over time, rather than throwing your body into it right away. And something that seems really crazy and unrealistic to you at the time, let yourself gain the trail feet, the muscles, all the little tiny things that you may never have developed before with experience and time as you get out there and give yourself a logical and realistic progression to build up to that. So the whole point of that was to explain that it's okay to hike, it's okay to walk, and it's okay if your training isn't perfect, but you just want it to be as specific as you possibly can make it. So if you're training in flat areas, you're in Florida or Kansas or the middle of nowhere, that you can definitely still train for trail and ultra marathons no matter where you're at. There's a way to make it happen. And I also want to encourage you, if you feel like you just don't have the body type, the fitness, the shape, the experience to do these things, that it's completely unrealistic. Like I said in the beginning, ultra and trail marathon racing is a different beast. Yeah, the elites are elite runners, but that's such a small percent of them. When you get out there, it's the most inspiring thing in the world. People run, they walk, they hike, they shuffle. They are different shapes, sizes, ages, everything you can think of. It is the most inclusive, inspiring, awesome like surreal experience when you get out there because all the stuff that comes in the fitness industry that makes us feel so shitty about our bodies and ourselves kind of just goes away in ultra marathons because hard is hard and it's hard for everyone out there. It doesn't matter how fast or slow you're going. It's hard in its own regards. So on that note, I want to read you guys one little thing before I sign off for you today that will hopefully encourage you in your trail and ultra running journeys. But I have insider knowledge. Anyone can run ultras. I've seen a wide variety of humanity at ultra races. An eight-year-old, a woman with a prosthetic leg, an 87-year-old man. These are examples are the proof that it's possible for anyone who's motivated to make it happen. My motivation is multifaceted. I run because I love the outdoors. I run because it's my favorite way to explore a new area, especially when I can run through empty streets, watch a foreign city wake up with the sunrise. And I run because it keeps me healthy and feeling strong. But running ultras is different. Ultras demand more from you mentally than they do physically. Ultras don't require you to be fast or have a runner's body or to even wear expensive gear. Ultras don't even demand that you run. Walking is often more efficient. Ultras only demand that you push your boundaries. So on that last note, as someone who just finished the hardest ultra they've ever done, their seventh one, and might be crazy and a little bit inspiring, but also seem unrealistic for you, I just want to ask you if you're willing to push your boundaries. Because that's it. That's all it takes to run an ultra marathon. You just have to be willing to keep moving forward no matter how you feel. And that's the secret. So I hope this, guys, I hope this episode helped you. I hope you feel a little encouraged that you can do big, hard, scary things. You can run an ultra marathon. You belong on the trail. And ladies, 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 there's eight women that finished my race. Please join me out there. You can do this. Hopefully next spring, for the time, if you guys are listening to this feature, I will have a trail and ultra marathon guide, but you can use Endure to train for these races. And if you have questions about how to modify that for trail, just send me an email. We have examples and I have a video that I can send you as well, or I can help you figure that out. But I really, really want you to get out there, get gritty, get dirty and sign up for the damn thing. So as always, I'm going to sign off. I want you to live well, demand better and stay messy. Have a good one, guys. And if you sign up for a race, send me a screenshot of my DMs. I want to see it.